What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Smash Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your October 18th NXT review, which also happens to be your NXT Halloween Havoc Go Home Show review. Also happens to be your review for goddamn what has to be the most fun episode of NXT in a hell of a long time. And I'm sorry, WWE's getting better, SmackDown's getting better, Raw's getting better, uh, pay-per-views are getting better, um... Lots of different things we can dig into and analyze and, and pull apart and dissect and all that sort of thing. I don't think, and this is, um, I'm talking about like in the new era we're in now with, with the Triple H taking over everything and all that sort of I don't think there's been anything as purely fun as tonight's show was. I'm not talking about five-star matches out the ass. I'm not talking about, you know, deep six-month storytelling because that's what we pretend to do with the drunk cowboy over on the other show. I'm talking about a show that was just fun. I'm talking about a show that was old Survivor Series bragging rights and worlds collide rolled into one. And yes, I am talking about a show that wouldn't have been what we got tonight if the other show weren't being dicks and counter-programming on a Tuesday. But it is what it is, and we are where we are. So let's talk about tonight's show. Kicking it off with a bang. Lots of wrestling and not a lot of filler on this show, not gonna lie. Started off with the first pick-your-poison match of the night. Roxanne Perez's opponent, chosen by Cora Jade, was Rhea Ripley. Because why, why wouldn't you pick Rhea Ripley? And of course, Rhea Ripley came out with the entire Judgment Day. And the image of Judgment Day showing up on NXT was fucking... I mean, with the exception of, of Dominic, which is, is, is something to be spoken about, for sure... This is an NXT homecoming of Rhea Ripley, who's awesome, Finn Balor, who's awesome, and Damian Priest. Now, I always say, I always go back to it, yes, for better or for worse, AEW won the Wednesday Night War. The one night, the one night that, um, the one night that NXT won, the one night that everybody sort of gave in and said, okay, black and gold gets a win tonight, was top and tailed by two matches. It was a men's titles match and a women's titles match. Finn was in the first, Rhea was in the last. So this is a really, really cool thing. And to a lesser degree, Damian Priest as well. I don't want to act like I'm throwing him out of the mix, but this was really cool. Dominic Mysterio has the, has the interesting distinction of other than Gallows and Anderson, who we're going to talk about later, they're the only ones that showed up on the show tonight that aren't, like, having a comeback of sorts, having a uh, NXT homecoming that isn't, uh, wasn't an NXT uh, product, for lack of a better term. And on top of that, uh, I mentioned it in my WWE Last Week pod that you guys can please go and check out. It, uh, it's available now. It'll be the last episode before what you're listening to right now. Um, Rhea Ripley had her first match back after being cleared. It was at a house show. I think it was a mixed tag with Damian Priest, Dolph Ziggler, and uh, Nikki Ash. But this is her first. This is her first televised match since being medically cleared. And it's really cool to see that. Okay, she's with the Judgment Day, but they didn't even have her have a comeback match on Raw. They saved it for this. Which, yes. It serves a purpose, and yes, we're going to talk about the counter-programming that AEW did tonight, and we can put that all to the one side, but Rhea Ripley being one of the biggest badasses to come out of NXT, I don't mind her comeback being in this match tonight. 
immediately greeted with Judgment Day chants that, that very, very quickly turned into Rhea's gonna kill you chants. Roxanne Perez is awesome. I don't want to. I don't want to shade the other side of the story here. Roxanne Perez is great. She played the face in peril absolutely amazingly. The amount of acting that she does with her face, and I mean like proper, like sell the situation you're in acting, not acting like uh, like some uh, wrestlers are accused of doing, was absolutely great. She sold the mismatch. Rhea Ripley sold. I say this a lot about like bigger, more powerful people and just like heels in general that like hurting people you have to sell that you enjoy what you're doing not only are you demolishing somebody but you are enjoying that you're demolishing this the one thing that i thought was really cool that i've personally never seen before is uh roxanne perez went for a head scissor at one time it was either head scissor or hurricane rana and she completed the entire flip and rhea ripley just didn't go with it she just stood there which is fine and she also did what is typically a samoa joe thing where Roxanne Perez went to do a suicide dive and she just walked out of the way. Now Samoa Joe usually does it when somebody's coming off the top rope, but it, it is a it is a shade of what he does. I'll give him the credit where it's due. Um, the rest of the time, this is just Roxanne Perez getting her ass handed to her, which makes it even more funny that Dominic hopped up on the apron to cause a distraction so that Roxanne Perez could turn around into a dirty headbutt, a riptide, and a win for Rhea Ripley. And obviously, Rhea Ripley does the Rhea Ripley pin where she's shagging you into the mat. This was fun. This was obliteration. This is, if, um, if you want to say that how they booked Ryback was bad. This is the good version of that. Now, yes, it did give uh, give Roxanne Perez a little bit of sympathy because even though she was facing this monster, she was holding her own. She did have a couple of good flurries, and she did win, or she did lose, rather, because of a numbers game. But you can tell two stories at once, and we're going to tell the other half of the story later on. You can tell the story that she's going in injured, uh, not necessarily injured, but um, wearing the wounds of war, shall we say, four days from now at Halloween Havoc when she goes into her weapons wild match with uh, with Cora Jade. But also, you can say that like she lost the she lost the war, but she won the battle because like it wasn't a complete squash, and that's really really cool. And for a babyface, the way she's presented as a babyface, um, getting her ass handed to her like this gives her something a little different than a victory would have. And uh, I hope that makes sense. I'm trying to put on the analytical hat and, and talk a little bit about the match, but really this was just a lot of fun. And you guys know I'm incredibly biased towards Rhea Ripley. I like Rhea Ripley. I've liked Rhea Ripley since the second Mae Young Classic when she sort of had the transformation from how she was presented in the first Mae Young Classic. The second one was just a little bit better. In my opinion, I will say, over the course of the night, for those of you that have been listening to me for a long time, you know the kind of stuff that I like, you know the themes that I like, you know the people that I like. This show was put together for me. Not everybody is going to like this show. This show was made for me. This show might as well have a big capital S and a capital P on it. Because then we go to Stacks <laughs> coming out with Tony D'Angelo. And Tony D'Angelo did a really cool trolling thing here. He's like, you know what? I love you as a brother. This is about, you know, showing something. This is about impressing me. This is about, you know, proving your spot in the family and all that sort of thing. You want to know who your opponent is? Turns to the crowd. You want to know who your his opponent is? You're going to find out right after the commercial break. <laughs> and 
that's so cool and such a small thing that works because there's so much of the time where we get to the point of you want to find out something and it's because they're going to drag it through the next commercial break to get you into the next segment. So the fact that he literally worked that into his promo, I thought was... I don't, want to, I don't want to use the word cute, but there's a good... Again, I want, I'm going to talk about versions a lot tonight. Um, there's a good version of, of, of a cute maneuver. And that's what that was. That was a little wink and a nod from him. That was a little wink and a nod from the people putting the show together. I thought it was really cool. Coming back from the commercial break before we found out about Stax's opponent, we saw a... It was a backstage promo, but really it was a video package made to look like a backstage promo. It was Grayson Waller talking about his match that he's going to have with Apollo on Saturday at Halloween Havoc. I'm not going to lie, the Halloween Havoc card is a card of two halves for me. There's the card of, there's the half of the card where it's like, okay, let's just see what they do, and there's the half of the card that I'm actually excited about, and that's, I'm just being fair and just being honest. I'm going, I'm looking forward to the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Grayson Waller versus Apollo is not one of the matches that is driving me to the show, but then because there's the co-promotion thing with USA Network and Chucky is back and it is October, which means it is Halloween, etc., etc., etc. Go see Halloween ends. It's fucking awesome. Um, Grace Waller gets interrupted by Chucky and Chucky is there freaking him out, letting him know that his match with Apollo Crews is going to be a spin the wheel, make the deal. So we're not going to find out until the night what the stipulation is for that. Now, I will say, the um, when Grayson Waller had Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez on the, on the Grayson Waller effect, and he spun the wheel to get them the weapons wild match, I didn't know whether they were going to say that his spin actually counted, but apparently it did. I thought they could have played around with that. I thought they could have had Cora Jade come out on the night. It's like, well, I didn't spin the wheel. This isn't what we're doing. Um, I also think it's a big missed opportunity that the uh, match between Mandy Rose and Alba Fire isn't an Inferno match, but then... It is what it is, isn't it? We come back to the ring, and finally, because you got to remember the hint that we were given last week, you're going to know who your opponent is as soon as his music hits. And that really, really narrowed the field, because admittedly, both NXT and proper WWE, a lot of the themes are getting pretty generic. Even the people like Sami Zayn, who used to have really identifiable themes, have gotten pretty generic. But that is not the case for fucking Shinsuke Nakamura, who we haven't seen in time and days, who came out in absolutely fucking brilliant black and gold gear, um, and had a match, I, I don't want to say carried, but he did, he carried stacks to a good match, drown out by people singing his theme, drown out with welcome home chants, obviously Kinshasa Nakamura gets the win, but more importantly, and this is kind of what I wanted to say about Roxanne Perez in the first match, Stax lost the match, but Tony D picked him up out of the corner and told him to dust himself off because he had earned the Don's respect, and I thought that was kind of cool considering that they're not exactly baby faces. In the back, Von Wagner interrupts Nathan Frazier and Axiom, who are talking talking about how great their series of three matches was. It was. I still think these guys are going to be a tag team. At some point, Axiom tells Nathan Frazier that he hopes he wins the ladder match on Saturday, and Von Wagner says you don't get a title for being an internet favorite, which is fine, I suppose. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Alba Fire versus Sonya Deville from the main roster, which is good. Apparently, Mandy Rose 
has, I mean, Sonya Deville's here. We know why she's here. Main main roster crossover to get more eyes on the show that's supposed to get more eyes on the pay-per-view. This is what I don't understand. Sorry, side note. I always used to say when there was the when there's the Wednesday Night War and both shows did it. AEW was just as guilty of it as NXT, but they would put together a show like the one that beat them where they had the two title matches. They would do the theme shows like they would do um Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen and uh Winter is Coming and all those types of things. And NXT used to do things like the Great American Bash like Halloween Havoc etc. and the the complaint always was, and I, you guys have heard me say this a million times, for the people that have heard me say it before, I'm sorry, you're going to have to bear with me for a second. The complaint always was, well, they're only doing that so you'll watch it. Yep. That's what promoters are supposed to do. And why would you not want to get more eyes on the go-home show, considering the go-home show's main purpose is to get more eyes on the pay-per-view that weekend? You, you don't have the point you think you have with this, guys, especially when AEW comes up with a different name for every other episode of Dynamite. Moving swiftly on, and Sonya Deville isn't really doing anything on the main roster, so we can do something with her here. I will say, again, Sonya Deville makes me think of MMA, makes me think of, um, what's her name, uh, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. There is a plot hole of... Why would neither of the Pick Your Poison ladies choose Shanna Baszler? Why would they not choose SmackDown champion Ronda Rousey? Why would they not choose SmackDown champion Bianca Belair, even though Bianca Belair is what Bianca Belair is? Um, I mean, you do go for the biggest, baddest women on the respective rosters. True in Rhea Ripley's case, and I'm, they're really, really trying with Raquel Rodriguez, who we're going to talk about later. But Sonya Deville is... I will say it. I will scream it from the rooftop. Sonya Deville is infinitely underrated, whether she's on Raw, whether she's on SmackDown, whether she's coming back on NXT, whether she's playing that authority figure role that she was playing for a while. Infinitely underrated. Infinitely underrated. It's absolutely terrible. And the fact that she was facing Alba Fire, the former Kaylee Ray tonight, I was, was something I was looking really forward to. And her stepping in for Mandy Rose, who was apparently having some personal issues that I didn't bother looking up because it's none of my goddamn business, was really cool. So to have JC Jane and Gigi Dolan there on the outside with her, they don't look entirely out of place as a trio. I'm, I'm going to say that as well. As you would expect, great strikes from both ladies. There's this weird uh, top rope leg sweep thing by DeVille, Toxic Attraction, get involved, Fire still gets the win, uh, surviving a three-on-one advantage eventually when both JC Jane and Gigi Dolan get involved. Mandy Rose returns at, to make it a four-on-one advantage, still fails at a cheap shot, drops her belt as she's scarpering out of the ring, and... Uh, and uh, I was going to say Kaylee Ray, Alba Fire stand, left uh, standing tall in the ring with not only her quote-unquote flaming bat, but also Mandy's belt. You know what? I'm a huge fan of Mandy Rose, much like Sonya Deville, incredibly underrated for very, very different reasons. How dare she be white, blonde, and successful? Um, but I am ready for her to come back up to the main roster with the rest of Toxic Attraction. Toxic Attraction and... Sorry as a foursome coming back to the main roster, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville as a tag team, and having Gigi Dolan and JC Jane as their respective protégés would be a really, really cool story to tell. And get somebody uh, less superstore less superstar, I can speak, I swear, and a little more badass holding that belt, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings. It's uh 
have Mandy lose if she's going to lose upwards type of situation. But I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hate that idea whatsoever. What happened? At the end of last week's NXT, I predicted that this week's episode of NXT, they were going to try and promote the ladder match by booking Trick Williams and Carbello Hayes versus Aro Mensa and Wes Lee. Three of them are in the match, and Trick Williams makes up the numbers. Does he not? So we see Trick and Mello attacking Aro Mensa and Wes Lee in the back, and we think it's going to be a brawl. We think it's going to be a Miz situation where the attack happens instead of the match, but no, they just brawl out to the ring, and the match starts during the break. You got three fast-paced wrestlers and Trick Williams there to be a really, really awesome, uh, powerful, seismic uh, base for the match. Um, it was a great sell for the ladder match. Like I say, Trick Williams is going to get involved in the ladder match. We know that. Mello went for his top rope leg drop thing, and I don't know what Wes Lee did, but Mello absolutely spiked him into the mat like a tent peg for the win, which makes me think even more that Wesley is going to win on Saturday, which doesn't hurt my feelings, because Trick and Mello need to go to the main roster. It's well, well, well overdue. They all brawl to the outside. Von Wagner comes from the back to remind us that he's unfortunately in the match and boots everybody, and then he gets taken out by Nathan Frazier, who he made fun of earlier on in the night. And this was your big advertisement for the ladder match, which, spoiler alert, is probably going to be the best match of the night, which is... Saying something, considering Von Wagner is in it, which means Robert Stone is going to be it. Robert Stone and Trick Williams are both going to be at ringside for the ladder match while these five guys are killing each other. That's going to be a lot of fun. The schism taking on Cameron Grimes and the OC. I'm sorry. I just... As much as I loved it when they brought in Joe Gacy and he was doing the SJW thing because it pissed off all the right people. I, I don't know what this is now. I really don't. He's just, uh, considering you've got JD McDonough getting ready to be in the main event of Halloween Havoc and what his character's doing, having another guy also playing NXT's resident creepy bastard just doesn't work. And I'm going to go with what a lot of other people are saying. I would just love the grizzled young veterans to be the grizzled young veterans. But, um, let's talk for a second. Let's talk for a second, once again, about the company that's trying to counter-program against NXT tonight, and that's AEW. What's AEW's claim to fame? The Open Door. Now, is are they really the ones with the Open Door when the Good Brothers, one of whom is still a champion in New Japan and is, I think, still set to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome, having just... Uh, debuted about a week ago on Raw, is in a match in your developmental system. I don't think he is. What's, uh, I'm going to show my ignorance here. I've never looked it up because I'm not, uh, not a New Japan guy. I never claimed to be a New Japan guy. But if anybody can explain to me in the comment section below or on Twitter at Spaz Phoenix, um, genuinely, what is the never open weight championship? Because that... That sounds like a contradiction in terms to me. It's like, uh, what is it? Uh, obviously, it's Dragon Gate that has the Open the Dragon Gate championship. I'm not making fun of these things. They sound counter uh, contradictive just because of the way the English language works. But uh, as far as I know, or as far as I've heard, um, 
the Good Brothers are going to be still wrestling at the Tokyo Dome because Carl Anderson is the never open weight champion, and I don't know what that is. Somebody tell me down in the box below. I am genuinely curious, but at the same time, not enough to uh, not enough to look it up clearly. And it gives you guys an excuse to leave a comment in the comment section, and YouTube can uh, not tell me that nobody's watching, which is also fine. It's a fun match. Crowd loves to see the OC. Uh, I love the fact that they corrected the graphic on uh, on Twitter because initially they put up the graphic and it was the schism and it was Cameron Grimes and all of the OC, which meant that uh, AJ Styles was like sort of in the background. The way they do that, the way they do that thing where if somebody has a manager, they're like smaller and in the back. They had AJ doing that, but then everybody started saying that AJ was also going to be on NXT, and I guess they corrected the graphic because they put a new one up. Um, really cool to see the o, uh, the OC. Friggin' Luke Gallows looks huge in an NXT setting. Do you remember the last time they were on NXT? It was the three of them, and it was before that one Survivor Series when NXT was actually involved, and they invaded uh, NXT for the night, and Luke Gallows looked huge. And Luke Gallows is the guy that needs to be facing Vaughn Wagner in something. Um, big pile of people match was was fine. You get to see some uh, glimpses of Grimes versus Gacy within the six-man format. Uh, Cave-in by Grimes, Magic Killer by the OC, and the faces get the obvious win. Um, it was kind of cool to see Cameron Grimes fighting on an equal playing field. It was kind of cool to see the OC neutralize the dead. So you could get the closest thing to an actual one-on-one -on -one competition between these two guys was when they were uh, the two legal men in this tonight. Um, it served its purpose. Again, we know why this is. What it, oh, we only put the OC on NXT so that people would watch. Yep. That's kind of the point. In the back, we're, interview we're interviewing Sanga. Why is my TV doing something? Hold on a second. We're not going to have it blurred out random sound just because it's timed out. That's not a thing that's going to happen. Sanga is in the back because Veer Mahan has been randomly showing up on NXT to talk to him and pulling him away from whatever he's doing. And um, Sanga tells Veer that whatever they talked about, he's ready to listen. So let's be really, really mysterious about the fact that they're going to be a tag team again, which is fine. We get a cool hype video package for Casey Catanzaro and Katana Chance versus Stark and Lyons, which I thought was going to happen at Halloween Havoc, but it's going to happen next week. And Pretty Deadly and uh, Malik Blade and Yudasanofe are also taking place next week because apparently next week is Tag Team Tuesday. I'm way more excited for one of those matches than I am about the other. I'm just going to be honest. <sighs> On to page two. Big deep breath. When we come back from the commercial break, we're going to find out who the special guest host of Halloween Havoc is. And if you've got a special guest host of Halloween Havoc, it's only going to be one person. And I was right. It's my girl, Shotzi. She should be hosting Halloween Havoc for as long as WWE does Halloween Havoc. Not going to lie. She also gets great, amazing welcome home chance from the crowd. Zion Quinn interrupts her, wants to be the co-host. He gets interrupted by Quincy Elliott. So Shotzi Blackheart sets up a match, which I'm sure will irritate all the right people on Twitter. Winner gets to be my co-host on, uh, on Halloween Havoc this Saturday. They have a match. It's nothing really to write home about. I still don't know what to think about Quincy Elliott, which is going to make you think all the wrong things about me, which is fine. Zion Quinn is a badass, and then in this segment he tried to sort of be funny and friendly, and it just didn't work. Uh, Quincy Elliott gets the win with a distraction by Hank, the security guard, 
who apparently they're going to be a tag team as well. So down the line, we could get the riveting feud between Axiom, Nathan Frazier, taking on Quincy Elliott and Hank. Are you excited? Oh, yes. Raquel Rodriguez versus Cora Jade. This was never going to be as exciting as the first match, because I'm sorry, Raquel Rodriguez, as good as she is, is not Rhea Ripley. And Cora Jade, as much as I like her, is not Roxanne Perez. And it's a story that we've already told earlier on in the night. You've got the uh, person that's getting ready for the pay-per-view that has to fit a much larger powerhouse from the main roster. Now the face-heel dynamic is changed, so there's a little bit of a different story to tell, but not very much. Um, Cora Jade does a bit of cat and mouse and a bit of trash talk. Uh, power game by Raquel takes her to the outside, slams her into the table, and then chops the living soul out of her. Um, Jade brings out a kendo stick, and while she's distracted, the referee, she pays for it because Raquel Rodriguez, the babyface, who's like twice her size, beats the shit out of her with her own kendo stick, so Cora Jade wins by DQ. Roxanne Perez comes out after the match and beats her up a little bit, and Raquel Rodriguez encourages her to use the kendo stick as, as a setup for their Weapons Wild match this Saturday. Now, this match is something I'm looking, I'm looking very, very forward to, but I hope they play something up. Seth Rollins did this on, on Raw when he was trying to defend the fact that he had just lost at... Um, I can speak, I swear. At Extreme Rules, in the fight pit, he lost, and uh, his response to the you tapped out chance was like, yeah, of course I tapped out. I had a title match the next night. Um, I hope that Cora Jade uh, has some sort of promo where it's like, yeah, of course I went ahead and tried to get myself disqualified. Have you seen the size of Raquel Rodriguez? Why would I want to get my ass handed to me by her right before a pay-per-view? You could play that up. It would make sense for them to play that up, but because this is the go-home show, I don't think they have time to play that up. Now, the main event, or should I say the main event segment, was very interesting. I mean, it was hosted by Kevin Owens, so another big, gigantic welcome home chant from the uh, from the NXT faithful. Uh, he's hosting Breaker, Ilya Dragunov, and JD McDonough for a three-way sit-down. He says he did it as a favor for Shawn Michaels, so he stops to tell Shawn Michaels, hey, you're welcome. Um, I'm out here to make sure that no, uh, no chicanery uh, happens, so you guys uh, keep it all to yourselves until, until Saturday. What goes on to call JD a creepy bastard goes on to tell the babyfaces, hey, don't let this guy get in your head. Don't take each other out to make it easier for him. He calls him JD McDon't Google me. He calls him a creepy bastard. Says, you know, who talks like that? Who talks like you do? And all that kind of thing. Meanwhile, Braun Breaker and Ilya Dragunov are almost having their own promo on the other side of the ring. And as they're about to go at it, J.D. McDonough stands back to further that narrative of, hey, let these two take each other out. And uh, K.O. drops the mic after saying, sorry, Sean, I tried, and fucking off. And they brawl, and then J.D. McDonough tries to get a cheap shot in, but Dragunov gets the, the missile headbutt on both of them, and he ends up being the one standing tall to end the show. Or so we think. We think the show is going to end on Ilya Dragunov holding up the NXT Championship, which reinforces my opinion that I'm pretty sure JD McDonough's winning that title, because I'm pretty sure, as new as he is, I'm pretty sure Trips wants the uh, Braun Breaker on the main roster. I don't know whether that's going to happen just yet, um, but the way, they, the way they worked this whole promo around, this guy's a creepy bastard, 
nobody wants him to be champion. None of the former champions want him to be champion. Nobody here in this crowd wants him to be champion. I called up his own mother. His own mother doesn't want him to be champion. Um, but it's one of those uh, WWE doth protest too much. Did they uh, did they show their hand? Is the is that exactly what they're going to do? Is JD going to play a game like he played? Here, get these two guys riled up at each other. Or is he going to eat the, the missile headbutt thing from Dragunov? Or is Breaker just going to squash both of them, which could also happen? Point being, Breaker's down, JD's down, even though he tried a cheap shot. And Ilya Dragunov is holding up the NXT Championship until we hear one more familiar bit of music. And it's A-Town Down. And it's Austin Theory standing on the rampway with his money-in-the-bank fucking briefcase. I'll tell you something. When they said they were bringing in Kevin Oates due to the KO show to stand between these three guys, I thought maybe to get a few more eyes on the pay-per-view, maybe they stick Kevin Owens in and make it a Fatal 4-Way, and that would be the surprise, that would be the addition. I was not expecting... Mr. Money in the Bank, Austin Theory, to show up with that briefcase. I, uh, I'm i doing a preview for this, so I'm not going to get very much farther into this right now. But man, that's an interesting wrinkle in this whole in this whole thing. If they were going to do a cash-in, I'll say, I'll say this, and I'll save the rest of it for the preview. If they're going to do a cash-in, then I hope the triple threat is the first match of the night and then you end off with probably the latter match. They won't do that, because they're pretty good about the NXT title being the main event of a... I want to say takeover. It's not quite a takeover, but a uh, proper pay-per-view. But if they were going to do a cash-in, do the triple threat first, have your ladder match be the main event, and then have the cash-in ripple effect through the rest of the show, and everybody can sort of be reacting to it, because what does this mean? Does this mean Austin Theory's back on NXT? Does that mean he's taking the NXT title to Raw, which, of course, then would make all the right people on Twitter be all angry because of what happened to Solo Sokoa, and, you know, the, the rules of wrestling are supposed to be written in stone, brother, except they're just not. Get over it. Moving on. Um, really, really interesting. I did not expect that. I'm not going to lie. The rest of it was a lot of fun. Um... I wasn't expecting the announcement of Shotzi coming back, but as soon as they said, hey, we're going to announce the Halloween Havoc host, then I had a pretty good idea it was going to be Shotzi. The rest of it, uh, we all knew going in. We knew Sonya Deville was going to be there. We knew Raquel Rodriguez was going to be there. We knew Rhea Ripley was going to be there. We didn't know necessarily whether she was going to bring Judgment Day with her. I'm kind of surprised that the OC didn't bring AJ Styles with them for the name value, but this was a lot of fun. Like I said at the beginning of the pod, um, it was kind of bragging rights, worlds collide, and what we used to do with Survivor Series all rolled into one. And I don't think that's a bad thing. If you take out why it happened and look at what it is, I mean, why it happened is because Tony Khan's a weirdo that decided to counter-program for a night. But what we got out of it was a really fun show. And I want to reiterate what I said at the beginning. This is not five-star matches. This is not you know, rewriting the Iliad as far as, as storytelling goes. This was just a fun show. NXT hasn't been around that long to really have, like, nostalgia, so to speak, but if you want to use that term, it was an NXT nostalgia show. It was a homecoming show for a lot of people. It was a lot of 
uh, maybe not necessarily wrestlers that had never been on NXT, but like organizations like Judgment Day has never existed on NXT. The KO show didn't exist until the main roster. K uh, Kevin Owens brings that to NXT. Dominic Mysterio, who probably should have gone through NXT, being on NXT was a bit weird. And it was all, it's all good. It was, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be WrestleMania 17 all the time. It can just be fun. And this was fun. I, I'll put it out there, like, Extreme Rules was fun. Clash at the Castle was fun. This was specifically drafted and grafted for Spaz Phoenix's eyes only fun tonight. So, as I said, I'm going to do a proper preview later on in the week. It's probably going to drop on Friday morning. But right now, for Halloween Havoc, we have Julian Creed versus Damon Kemp in the ambulance match for Brutus Creed's contract, which is a little convoluted, not going to lie. We've got uh, Cora Jade versus Roxanne Perez in the Weapons Wild match. We've got Mandy Rose versus Alba Fire in the women's title match. This should be an Inferno match, because wordplay is fun. we got Apollo versus Grayson Waller in the Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal match. We've got Vaughn Wagner, Nathan uh, Frazier, Carmelo Hayes, Wes Lee, Oro Mensa in the North American Championship ladder match for the currently vacant North American Championship. And then we've got the triple threat, Braun Breaker, Ilya Dragunov, and J.D. McDonough for the NXT title with now, I guess, Austin Theory waiting in the wings, question mark. Anyways, a lot of fun. Let me know if you thought it was a lot of fun. Let me know if you got sucked into the counter-programming by AEW this week. But until next time, I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I'm out of breath, and I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.